Player 2, this is Player 1, plugging in. Player 1 is initiating connection. Player 1 is online. Player 1, this is Player 2, plugging in. Player 2 is initiating connection. Player 2 is online. All players have successfully connected. You are now plugged into the Plug and Play podcast. Initiating startup sequence. tuning in to episode 54 of the plug and play podcast i am your host zach and alongside me as always is tim welcome minions so it's been a action-packed week and by action-packed i mean it's just been packed um so i don't really know if you have any action i mean i didn't do any like taekwondo or anything this week but that would have been sweet it would been pretty cool kick some bad um, guys around yeah you know like uh kind of like bruce wayne just like pop right in the face and but i didn't do that so yeah but i did do some stuff this week which was kind of cool but i always look forward to these because you always got this like cool little little theme song that goes with yours on uh for tuesdays so i'm gonna let you go first all right cool um i did get some gaming done finally last week i didn't have like hardly any gaming if you remember um but the wife was out of town, which meant I could do whatever I wanted, um, and I played a lot of games, and that was awesome. Um, I saw you did. You decided to be very depressed. Uh, I did. I, I was feeling a little bit too. We'll get to that later, but yeah, I was okay, feeling okay. like th- things were a little too right in the world, so I had to punish myself a little bit. Okay. Um, but but it was like you said, Tuesday. So I took the kids for Adventure Time Tuesday. So um, this week we did what I wanted to do last week, but I was too um, sick. Um, we went to Molten Falls, which is um, fairly close to where we live. And it's basically along the Lewis River. Um, and there's a place right by the parking lot where there's like these really cool, smooth rocks that the kids can climb on. Um, yeah. And they, love, they love that. And um, then there's this giant bridge that goes over the river, and we went across that. The kids thought that was cool. And <laughs> what was really funny was as we were crossing the bridge, um, someone I know was getting ready to jump off of it. And to kill themselves? No, no, there's water underneath. Oh, okay. Just but okay. this is like a, I don't know, 50-foot bridge. Yeah, I've been there before. It's uh, it's uh, not a drop I'd want to do. I think he was in the air for two seconds. I don't know. It seemed like forever. And I'm like, you really going to do this? You shouldn't do this. But if you're going to do this, I'm going to record nice. you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I took a video of my... Uh, what the kids have to say? Uh, my daughter screamed. She couldn't believe he actually did it. Um, so really? that made Adventure Time Tuesday a little more exciting. Was, we your, got, was your son like, oh, that's an adventure. Dad, I'm going down next. No, no, he's scared of heights. Like, uh, I yeah, joke about I joke about pushing him over. He's like, he like gets all freaked out like I really do it or something. But yeah. he, he did get brave toward the end. He was clambering around the, lock, the rocks like a little champ. 
They had a good nice. time. He said, he said it was his favorite park, so it made an impression on him for sure. That's cool. Um, yeah, that uh, that park's actually pretty sweet. We walked that trail before. It's a pretty long little trail too. Yeah, um, I wish we'd brought swimming suits. Actually, I didn't realize it was so accessible that you could get in there and swim. Tons of people. Oh, you've swim. never been there before. Nope. Oh nope. wow! Yeah, that's a easy that's, accessible thing to get into. It's part of Adventure Time Tuesday. Going somewhere we haven't been before. Hopefully, um, it's getting harder and harder to do that. So I'm sure we'll revisit places we've been before. By the time that we're on Adventure Time Tuesday, season seventeen. When the kids uh, are like off on college and stuff, and they're home on vacation, Tim's gonna be like, "I don't know what the fuck to do, guys. We've we've done everything. Strip club. We haven't done that on Venture Time Tuesday yet." <laughs> Having a beer with my son will be interesting. Yes. Um, that, that's quite a few years down the road, though. So we did that. Came is home. it Tim? Is really sharing a beer that long down the road with your son? Yes. I mean, he's like what, like six? Yeah. So do the math. Fifteen years. That's, that's what. Nice. You got at least got like a good four. No, bad Zach, bad oh. bad Zach. Um, so we came home and made pancakes because that's what you should have for lunch on Adventure Time Tuesday. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, much better uh, Adventure Time Tuesday than the library fail of last week. Um, so yay. But you did have a badass pizza place last week. I'm just that saying. was cool. Yeah, Rockies was cool. They wanted to go back. I'm like, no, we got to do something different. We, we can go back nice. there. We just can't call that Adventure Time Tuesday. Gotcha. So what you been up to? Uh, well, like you, I've been gaming. Uh, I'm prepping for another trip. So this weekend we're gonna go whitewater rafting down the Deschutes River. And this time um, you know you know that you're whitewater rafting. Exactly. And this time I know I'm whitewater rafting. This is our yearly uh, trip. This will be our second year coming. Um, it's actually my wife's uh, one of my wife's best friends. Uh, her family and their friends have been doing it for three to five years now or something mm-hmm. and uh so we got invited the first time last year because that's when they first met and uh so we're going back again this year so it should be fun um so weekend of drinking and rafting um and rafting while you drink that's kind of fun so like on the deschutes there's long stretches where it's just like little quick little rapids and stuff and you can actually jump out of the boat and you have a life vest on obviously and you just float behind the raft and nice. the raft gets further and further away. And my favorite thing to do is get further and further away and see how far back I can get. And they can still successfully toss me a beer. So <laughs> I hope that's I, uh, cans, not bottles. It's cans, yes. Good. So I floated down the Deschutes probably for a good 45 minutes last time just drinking beer, mm-hmm. floating on my back, which is fun. Nice. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I also updated the Windows 10 last night, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. My computer seems uh, it runs cooler for some reason a little bit, um, but it takes a little bit longer to set up. And I kicked myself in the ass because when I was younger, in my younger years, back in the day, I made a bunch, like every time I got like a Windows game, I for some reason was terrible with passwords and usernames, and I would Uh-oh. just create a new account. And now that the Xbox app is on here, now I need to contact Microsoft and have them combine all my old emails into one email so that I have all of my content on one account. Yeah, that'd be good. So that's going to be crazy trying to get Microsoft to do this for me. But you need to do that based on one of our new stories coming up. Yes, exactly. So I need to get that done. I'm planning to do it not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, but yeah, Windows 10 is nice. Uh, my extremely hey, hey Cortana, expensive headset. merge my accounts. Yeah, hey Cortana, merge my accounts. 
And uh, but speaking of Cortana, Windows 10's biggest feature, biggest talked about feature, Cortana. Let's take a second to talk about this. Yes. Cortana does not recognize my 200 and some odd dollar, almost $300 headset when I purchased it. It recognizes the headset, but not the microphone. That's funny. So I cannot use my microphone for Cortana, which is ridiculous because my headset is Windows 10 uh, compatible and I updated the drivers to Windows 10. So I'm not really sure what the heck's going on there. Apparently, like they have like they've claimed like three months until they're fully functioning, but they're doing it in rollouts. So we'll see. Cortana just so that's what I've been. Doesn't want to listen to you. Yeah, Cortana doesn't like looking up porn apparently. So um, maybe maybe that was a problem. Maybe I shouldn't have started off with that again. Zach, yeah, she's, she's, so, had it. she's had it with you. She's like, all right, that was like five minutes ago, good sir. I'm not doing that search again. I saw some stuff I don't want to see, and I'm not doing it again. Bing cannot handle this, good sir. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, that's what I've been up to this week. Work, 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 and getting ready for the whitewater rafting. Sweet. Exciting. So, uh, you mentioned that you were playing some games. What type of games have you been up to, Tim? Um, well... We'll start with the one we already mentioned, kind of. I decided to depress myself and play uh, Game of Thrones Episode 3. Um, there was a high moment in it, though. I got to totally go um, Sparta on someone and kick him off a cliff. That was pretty awesome. Oh, and I yeah? probably shouldn't have killed that. I probably shouldn't have killed that person, but it felt so good. Yeah, well, I didn't kill that person, so yeah. I'll be interested to see what happened when you tell us what happened to you. He had it coming. I mean, we can agree that he had it coming. Oh, he had it definitely coming. Oh, he did. He killed your parents. Yep. So I that was one of my favorite parts of uh, Mass Effect also. There's a part where this guy's just being a little twit, and you just, like, punch him off the spaceship or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for that. If you give me that choice, I'll probably take it. Just boot down to the pit with you. Um, but nice. yeah, the, the politics in that game, I get stressed out every time I'm playing, um, I can't remember that female character's name that at court. The oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I all can't remember her, her name either. Right. This second, all of her choices like stress me out. I'm like, like I, sh- I'm going to make somebody mad no matter what I do. Yes, I you that. will. I hate that. I'm like, who's going to be more important down the road. And then something happens to the one I went with, and I'm like, oh, now that person can't help me anymore. Awesome. Exactly. It's definitely Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the politics part is stressful. Um, Yeah, it's extremely stressful. Did you just play episode four? No. Um, You played three. I I played three because five just came out, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting behind. I need to to start catching up. Yes. So we'll We'll see when I'm ready for four, and uh, so what happens towards the end of three again? Is that when you no, you've already persuaded that girl to marry you? No, I mean back. Yeah, you back in season two or episode two. Oh, you know you didn't do that. Yeah, she did not. Whatever I did was not not what she wanted to hear. So I'm kind of on my own there too. Uh, I had to. to give the guy who's in charge of me kind of what he wanted and submit a little bit for now just to keep things from totally devolving, which sucked. He pushed me down mm-hmm. the mud and I had to stay down. I did not like yeah, that. Yeah, I did that too. But I want that one girl's help and she said that's what I had to do, so I'm going to go out on a limb, 
besides, it didn't seem like a good option to stand up to him. He was just going to kill somebody anyway. Yep. But swallowing the pride is never fun. No. But, yeah, it's it's very interesting how they make you care about these choices. That's a very yeah. good very good storytelling. Um, it's very it's good not, storytelling. Yeah. It's not, you know, the trigger reflex, like, okay, I'm just going to kill somebody kind of gaming. It's like thinking about your choices and... I know, really but you cool. have a time time to think. Oh about yeah, it. like it's like yeah. you're like all right. So you got twenty, like not even twenty. It's like all right. So you got six seconds to figure this <laughs> shit out and go. <laughs> and sometimes it's really fast. Those are the worst. Um. So going along with making choices, I started playing a game I bought at a place the PlayStation sale last week called Danganronpa. Um. Trigger Trigger Happy Panic. And oh yeah. Yeah, this is a weird little game. Um, it's sort of like Hunger Games meets Phoenix Wright. Um, huh. You are there's this school um, that's world renowned. Like if you get into this school, you're set for life. Is the 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 catchphrase or whatever? And all these extraordinary people are going there, like the best musician or the best um, baseball player. And you are the one lucky person who's chosen for being ordinary. So you basically won the lottery. Because you're not special. Nice. You're not special. You're just ordinary. And you get there, and you pass out, and you wake up, and all the windows are boarded up, and there's this crazy teddy bear guy saying that you are now there for life. And the only way to get out is to kill another student and get away with it. So instantly, everybody is like not trusting each other, and there's plots, and there's... I don't know. It, it's, it's messed up. And it's... Um, an anime style game, so you got all this. All the characters are stereotypical ana- anime stereotypes, but I think the game plays with with what you expect there. And I'm looking forward to a uh, twisted little game there. So that's on my Vita. Another game we're playing on my Vita is Gravity Rush, which I've had for a long time, um, but I never completed it. And Q brought it up the other day, and I was like, you know, I really wish I had played that. So nice. Gravity Rush is an action game, uh, 3D sort of open world. But the thing is, is, you meet this mystery cat that gives you the power to suspend gravity. So you start floating, and you can make everything in a sphere around you float, like barrels or whatever, or people if they happen to be standing next to you. And then you can f- basically fly because gravity doesn't affect you anymore, but your your power is limited, so you kind of run out and you fall back to Earth after a while. Um, and you're fighting these black creatures that are from some other dimension, whatever. But the art style is amazing. Like, there's a city um, that has all these twisting corridors and you can, you know, fly and land on the side of buildings and walk on the sides of buildings. Um, it's just really cool to play around with. And the story's halfway decent. There's little, um, comic book cut scenes. It's a lot of fun. So that's gravity rush for Vita. And I'm almost done, but I did get a lot of gaming done. So I'm very happy about this. Um, Holy I picked crap. up a, I picked up a dollar or $2 game. Um, and this is your fault because you talked about this a couple weeks ago about um, oh, games. Oh, yeah. Games that were formative for you. And I'm like, you know, I heard a lot about this game. I want to check it out for myself. So why don't you go ahead and roll the trailer for this game? They used to tell stories of a man who saved the world. A man whose very presence sent aliens running back to their motherships. A man who disappeared without a trace. When the invaders came back, they came back angry. They tore our planet apart, bit by bit. 
But they made one mistake. They shouldn't have gone after our women. Damn it. Why do they always take the hot ones? <laughs> so can you guess what this game is yet? Who, me? Yeah. It's fucking Duke Nukem, baby. Duke Nukem forever. Rest in pieces. What? Did you think I was gone forever? Hell, I'd still hit it. <laughs> Giant monster, like big bang, totally ugly, but it has food. You get to pee like five minutes into the game. Do you really? Yeah. Not even five minutes. Hey. Coochie coochie. To the king, baby. What about the game, Duke? Was it any good? Yeah, but after 12 years, it should be. So, have you found like a strip club yet or anything like that? Um, the first time you see Duke, he's basically getting a blowjob from twins in schoolgirl outfits. Nice. So, yeah, this game is completely crass and ridiculous. It would have been awesome in the 90s back when the series was still hot. Um, it, yeah. It definitely feels out of place now. Um, but I don't know. Where'd you get it? What what, what console? Uh, PS3. Two bucks. Game, oh, nice. GameStop. Um, doesn't look bad for a PS3 game. Um, doesn't look amazing either. But, um, yeah, um, there's actually a surprisingly varied amount like different gameplay, not just running and gunning. Like at one point, you're controlling a little RC car to knock what over some, to knock over something you need and push it toward the door. And then later, you step on a shrink ray, and you actually get to drive the RV around, <laughs> or not the RV? Really? The yeah. So there's stupid little. I don't know. There's even a puzzle where you're like twisting around a statue of yourself to jump up to the next level, and I don't know. It's it's been actually fairly fun. Um. Yeah, it's it's big, big, loud, and stupid. It's just a style of game that you don't see that much anymore. Kind of, we kind of grew out of it in the late '90s. But this game is like Duke just said in development for 12 years. So, yeah, yeah. You know. But, but yeah, I'm getting my two dollars worth for sure. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So, I picked that up just because you uh, reminded me about Duke with our previous show, and it was two dollars. <laughs> Nice. That's an awesome price, actually, for that. Yep. So enough about what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Oh, man. Um, this week, they released something. And before we go any further, I'm just going to play it because I'm so damn excited. All right. This is a story of playing beyond the shadows. Going beyond the shadows cast by your height. 
your doubters in every major conference school. Until you start casting your own shadows over scoring leaders. Top-seeded tourney teams and all Americans. But some shadows don't die so easy. He's barely 6'1", and he won't ever be a true point guard in the NBA. With the seventh pick, the Golden State Warriors select Stephen Curry. So you practice hard. Play hard. An amazing move. It just doesn't get better than that. And eventually, you're playing beyond the shadows and casting your own. So, what will your story be? NBA 2K16, star in the Spike Lee joint. Dude, so, like, they just keep releasing shit, and, like, they keep, like, hinting at things, and, like, I'm, like, I don't even know what to say about this game anymore. Like, they're hinting at, like... They're, like, hinting at, like, pre-am games, like, where, like, before the NBA draft, like, you gotta, like, take part of, like, the last part of, like, your college season. They're hitting at, like, pre like summer league games. They're talking about overseas games. They're talking about doing uh, a extremely, in like, the most in-depth career mode they've ever made. Like, I, I don't even get it. Like, the, the hype for this game, for me, is just ridiculous. So... As of today, like a half hour before the podcast, I just went out and fucking pre-ordered it. It's mine. Like I got it. Um, I just couldn't take it anymore after seeing that trailer earlier today. Um, it was already a foregone conclusion you were to get it. Yeah, I mean, I was already going to get it no matter what. So, um, other than that, I've been playing a ton of Rocket League, and I actually have a little short audio clip uh, from a game I played last night. And th- this is just like, like there's just no other better way to explain this than like this is just like. Rocket League at its finest, like when you get like matched up in the high levels, mm-hmm. and like people will see that like you're like outranked, and then they'll just do this type stupid type of shit. Like this is just my reaction to it. Hey guys, this is Zach from TheBuntSmashers.com and the Plug and Play Podcast. We're doing a real big right now, guys. Playing two v two. Where the fuck's my teammate? Do I not got a fucking teammate? I don't got a fucking teammate. I'm playing one v two. How does that even so, how does that even happen? The fucker like got in the match, saw the like saw like who we were up against apparently and recognized their fucking names and like bailed out of the game on me. Like he like loaded in so the game would start and then like fucking bailed. Because on a ranked match, like they don't put computers in for you, so they will not start the match of a second player on both teams joins. So this fucker oh. joined and then left. Lame. And I'm just I'm just like, oh, what the fuck like so i've been playing the crap out of the rocket league that game is probably by far my favorite game i got right now um other than 2k15 which i did play some more of this week just because i could not fucking stay away from it uh, any longer so i played like a couple hours of i played probably about two hours of nba 2k15 played probably a ton of rocket league actually uh i started game night this week early i started it on thursday night played with uh Caden, I played with Isaiah, I played with Michael um, Thursday night, played for a couple, probably about an hour with them, and I played about three more hours by myself, played Friday night with those guys, plus a few extras, uh, for probably about four hours, uh, I probably played more than that by myself, 
Saturday night we played again. Probably same guys, a couple extra new guys. Um, went against some guys who were on PlayStation Network. Cool. Whooped their ass. Um, and then we ran up and against a really good fucking team off of uh, PlayStation Network. They were nice enough. I messaged them. I was like, dude, you guys are freaking baller. Like, let's just keep going. So we played uh, back and forth with these guys that were like, we finally found a team that like where they actually challenged us. Right. And uh, we played with them for probably an hour, the two hours. We probably played like 10 matches with them. Um, and then I played a little bit Sunday. And then on Sunday, I also switched over and played some Elder Scrolls Online. And it is still not an MMO. I am glad to present to you guys. I have not one time had to do anything MMO related in that game. What level are you? I'm just following this story. Uh, I'm level 21, 22, something like that. Okay, so you're pretty high and you haven't had to party up yet. I haven't done a single party up thing. I haven't even... Other than talking to a few people early on, like quick questions like on how I got a mount. Um, and then like the mount system's a little weird in this game. So I had a couple more questions about that. Other than clearing out some of just like the basic like questions other than doing a Google search. I just asked some people online. They gave me the answer and I've never really communicated with anybody ever since then. Um, the mount system's weird. So you get a mount and then you have to upgrade its abilities Okay. And every mount starts out the same unless you buy a really expensive mount whose abilities start out the same, but you can upgrade them higher. So, like, you, they all start out the base speed, base capacity, base uh, endurance. And the cheaper ones max out at, like, 40. And the more expensive mounts will max out at 60. But now how this happens is you can only upgrade one of the three... 1% every 24 hours. So you have to log in every 24 hours or every time you play and upgrade 1%. And then a clock starts for 24 hours and you upgrade it. So I've there, just been saving up. To, is there a way to pay and speed that up? Nope. Oh, okay. I thought that's how I get some money out of you. Nope. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I did dump in $10 and get uh, a faster amount because... After spending all this time, I only had enough for a slow mount, like the bottom mount. And I asked, I was like, well, if I get like a slow mount, will that transfer over to the new mount that I buy? And I got like some yeses, I got some noes. So I was like, I'm not going to fucking risk it. Plus, I'm still like 40000 away and I kind of want to speed things up. So I chipped in an extra 10 bucks and got a faster mount. Um, and then I just started upgrading that. So Cool. Yeah. So... Uh, they got 10 bucks of mine, which is fine. I mean, shit, I put in a ton of hours, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So 10 extra bucks. I'm still, like, $50 below what the retail price is. So I'm still good. So so that's what I've been playing. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So we have uh, listeners' questions, comments, and feedbacks. Uh, our question to you guys last week was, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you want a vacation? I'm not going on vacation with Raven. Just saying. Now, I'm not going on vacation with Raven either. She's got some pretty sadistic ideas of vacation. She said she'd vacation in hell. I mean, I've heard of people joke that they'd vacation in Detroit, but this is one step further. Well, there is a hell Norway. I did look this up. There's oh, okay. a hell Norway, so maybe she meant Norway. I'm just going to give her the benefit of the doubt, and hopefully she meant Norway. I highly doubt that she knew there was a hell Norway, 
But I'm just going to give her the benefit of the doubt and just say she meant Norway. And then uh, Blindshot Diver kind of responds to Raven and says, In the world, Raven, and gave her a tongue emoticon. I wouldn't be able to... And then he gave his own answer. I would be able to say one spot. So, a world trip, baby. <laughs> so, come on, Blindshot. You got to pick one spot. I mean, it's got to be... Yeah, what, one spot. He chose... He's like, all right, so like the world, I'm just going to choose in galaxies. I choose the world to travel. Oh, you better get started. Yep. Q chimed in and said, as for where I'll go, it would have to be Sweden, and Roger knows why. And he, I guess this is a emoticon day because he gave a wink emoticon. Um, so I think ah. if you listen to the Button Smashers podcast, you would know why Q wants to go to Sweden. Just maybe. Because he's gay? I, I don't think that was the reason but maybe maybe it's on i don't know guys why don't you guys let us know why q wants to go to sweden so head back over to the button smashers podcast and uh check it out check it out let us know so before we go to break which i am extremely thirsty yeah i want to take a second i want to take a second talk about ice cream okay so what's your favorite ice cream tim um the kind i have in my hand you, you have ice cream in your hand? No, I wish. Um, uh, I was going to say, what I'll the tell hell? you what I don't like. I don't like soft serve. What? I don't like soft serve. I like hard ice cream. Okay. Um, I like brown cow. Do you remember brown cow? How now brown cow? How now brown cow? Do you remember that? Um, Vaguely, but I don't remember what's all in it. It was like marshmallows and chocolate and vanilla, and they stopped making the damn thing, and it pisses me off. You can't, you can't find a brown cow, huh? Can't find a brown cow. It was only made by Tillamook. Um, I've been getting into uh, these Magnum ice cream bars because they have layers. Oh, yeah. Those are good. So you'll have like a crunchy outer layer and then like there'll be like a syrup underneath the, the yeah, hard layer. Caramel and syrup. And the ice cream. Yeah. And I'm big into that. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that. What? Because that brought me to my next idea of topic. Okay. Do you remember those Flintstone pops that you used to like push up the little plastic thing a little push up and you'd suck on those those are amazing i don't remember those i don't know if i had one of those my mom what the hell my mom was like all the natural food so she would actually make popsicles for us had a fruit juice like oh my mom used to do it too or, come on but that's all we got so what was like sometimes it'd be grape juice orange so my brothers and i would do this horrible thing where it'd be like the tray in the freezer right with all the the sticks in the it like it looked like a giant ice yeah. cream tray yeah well one of us would go in there and scoop out whatever juice was in one of them and yeah. fill it with something the same color that was disgusting so like vinegar with yellow food dye for orange Ew. juice no it got worse we actually used one time they filled it with blood for the grapefruit juice like blood from like a, like package of meat. We had some blood, and someone actually tasted that disgusting popsicle. <laughs> it was literally oh. a, blood, a bloody popsicle. Like we were horrible to each other as brothers growing up. Like those are the kind of gags we would do to each other all the time. So yeah, don't ever eat a popsicle from my brothers. That's not like wrapped like from a factory. Okay. Just saying. All right. Did I, re- I don't think I'd even take it then. I'd be I- like, nah, you fucking resealed this, you little bastard. <laughs> did, I re- did I ruin your Flintstone memory? No, I still love the Flintstone ones. So so you so you like soft serve. You're down with that? I do like soft, I do like soft serve, yeah. I'm down with it. I like the once, hard ice cream, too. One, once I saw how soft serve starts, I just can't. 
it it comes in like a bag that looks like a bag of squishy milk, and they just yeah, pour it. Yeah, I know. I used to work at a uh, at a uh, the hell was it called? A yogurt ice cream sort of shop. But have you ever had to clean one of those machines? Yeah, it sucks. I I just can't. I just can't. Um, I I will sometimes if we're at Dairy Queen and there's really no other option, but I have to like turn that part of my brain off. When I do go for soft serve, what what I like is the dipped because, again, I like a nice, like, crunchy outer coating. Okay. I'm big on the – you know, where they dip the ice cream cone after it's been poured into, like, a a chocolate thing that hardens up. That's cool. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, like the – I can't remember what they're called at Dairy Queen, but yeah. Um, There's that stuff you can get to, like, the turtle shell where you just pour pour it. Yeah, you can buy that. Yeah, I like that. Pour that in your ice cream. Yeah, that's good. That's some good stuff. Did yeah, what made make- me think of this was today at work. I found some ice cream at my work, and I was like, "I'm definitely eating this." Oh yeah, it was there. They should have. Exactly. Hid- they should have hidden it better. Did you ever exactly. make ice cream growing up? Uh, I made it like a Did couple times, handful of times. Did I ever get to make what? Yeah, ice cream. So you had a one of those. Yeah, I made some churner things. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did. That takes forever, but that's really good. It tastes amazing. It does. And it, it does. it's so it's hard. It's by far my favorite. It's so hard to wait, though. You're like churning it and churning it and pouring more ice in and pouring more salt in. Is it ready yeah, yet? Yeah, you're like, come on. Come on. I'm about ready to just eat the damn salt. What the right. fuck? Come yeah. on. It's so good. So, yeah. I want some ice cream now. What the hell? I know. Well, that's good because we're about ready to go to a break. Um, but before we go to break, Tim? All right. You should light it and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. You come home from a hard day of work and you reach into your freezer for a tasty popsicle and you reach in and grab one. Do you want to lick blood? No, you want to lick something cool and refreshing, not disgusting. Well, if you like it and rate us on iTunes, you will always get a nice, wholesome popsicle, not something envisioned by a diseased young person's mind to warp and disgust you beyond belief. So, nice. you know what to do. Like us and rate us. All right, guys, we'll be right back after this commercial, or not commercial break, but after this music break, and I might just sneak in around a Rocket League. So, we'll be back after this music break. Imagine me playing Rocket League. Fucking go, Rocket League. <laughs> awesome. Rocket League, Rocket League, Rocket League. Awesome. Um, We'll be back. Bye. Tasty treats in hand, and I don't know about you, Tim, but I am thirsty. I did not get around to Rocket League in, but that's okay. I got after the show to play around a Rocket League. They're only five minutes. I'll bet you do more than one. 
Uh, shut up. <laughs> hey, I got this really cool car now, and it's got a cool wing design. I got I got all the paint jobs, so I got like a shining gloss for my base coat. Then the wings on them are corroded, rusty looking, uh-huh. and then I got a skull antenna that has red glowing eyes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you still have a, and you have a money trail? My, yeah, the money trail. Yep, I always use the money trail. I would definitely use that if I had it. Yep. All right, so I'll bet I, I bet I know what your tasty treat is. I bet you don't. Oh, really? Mixing it up. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, what you got? All right, so I got a nice coldy cerveza mm-hmm. from Elysian Brewing, ah. the Immortal IPA. Wow. So. It's uh, refreshing, hoppy, well-balanced. The Immortal is a Northwest take on a classic English style. Golden copper in color and loaded with New World hop flavor and aroma. 6.3 volume alcohol. Let's try this baby out. I've never tried this one before. Back in the 90s, there was a um, video game from Electronic Arts called The Immortal. Oh, nice. I don't remember that game. But... I will remember this beer. It's pretty good. I like this. Cool. Yeah. So what do you got for us? I have an Oakshire Brewing Watershed IPA. So we've both got, Ooh, both got IPAs. I think that we've already... I think we've had that one on the show before. It would once. not surprise me. It is a Northwest-style India parallel highlighting the flavors and aromas of our region's best hops. Crisp, dry, and refreshing, this dry-hopped IPA is smooth and easy to drink. It has 70 IBUs and 6.7 ABV. Nice. Big hoppy smell came out of the bottle when it opened. Ooh, that's always a good sign. Like it was dank. All right. It's good. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, Zach, you ready? Uh, yes. All right, let's kick it. All right. So, kicking us off for this kick it segment is 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 what is is me yes it's me people it's me all right so have you ever wanted to go to outer space Tim yes I haven't because I'm fucking scared of heights <laughs> but I cannot I can do it now how and you know how I can do it now Tim no I do not virtual fucking reality. No way. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Before I go any further, I'm going to go ahead and just run the video. Sweet. Or not video. Well, it's a video, but you guys only get audio. So I get video, Tim gets video, you get audio. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen is the Earth from space. On this little ball is everything you've ever known. All of the history, all of your future, all of the beauty of what it means to be human. The word that everyone uses is fragile. And you can't understand that from the ground because it's not really relevant to you. From the ground, it looks like the sky goes up forever. And from space, it looks very small relative to the universe. Understanding the Earth from that perspective has enabled us to become better stewards of our environment, of our atmosphere, of our resources. One of the things we want to do with Space VR is consolidating that message and telling it to the world. Most astronauts have looked at Earth from space and seen a larger picture 
have a changed perspective, they have a broader perspective. My conception of the scale of the reality of the Earth went from being unimaginably large to absolutely finite and in fact small. It goes from infinity to one. I even get goosebumps about this sort of stuff when I talk about it, even today. It was only after my flight that I began to go, I can't be the only one who's had this sort of reaction. And that's when I discovered this term, the overview effect. Even the astronauts on station can't get enough of it. They spend what very little free time they have looking out the cupola module, just watching the Earth go by. As we get more knowledge, we behave differently to accommodate all of that. And I had a truly physical reaction to it at that moment. And from space, you can capture that moment for an entire planet all at once. We would all benefit if we all had a shared experience of this kind. Virtual reality is very well positioned right now to start being able to give truly immersive experiences that make you feel like you're there. The difference between a flat video and VR is the difference between watching a football game and being in the stadium. It wasn't until I experienced virtual reality that it became clear to me that it's one of the missing pieces in the puzzle of how we get everybody to understand the beauty of space. The overview effect has such a profound impact that once you've seen it, there is no going back. I think it can help everyone realize that our problems are a lot smaller than we think. Inside all of us, there is a drive and passion for exploration to get to that next frontier. With Space VR, we're giving everyone in the world the opportunity to become an astronaut. We have done all of the groundwork. We have set up all of the partnerships and the agreements. We have built the camera and gotten ourselves space ready. And everything that we create, we will make available to all of our supporters. One of the experiences we will capture will be from the Cupola module. It is the viewing port for the International Space Station. From it, you can see the entire Earth at once. The Overview One is a stereoscopic 3D virtual reality camera designed to capture a live 360-degree view of its surroundings, showing you the world from an astronaut's perspective. The experience that we create will be available on every VR platform, from Oculus to mobile devices. That's so cool! <laughs> that was life-changing. This will cultivate the next generation of explorers. So many children dream about going to space. Dinosaurs are dead, space is alive. We want to build a very strong community that understands that space exploration is now in our hands and it can be cost-effective and accessible. Right now, we really need your support to complete our mission. To pay for launch costs in the first year of operations. We want everyone that's passionate about space exploration to join our cause. The more supporters we have, the further we'll go and the faster we'll get there. You can be an astronaut. By supporting us, you will help us decide where we go next. To the moon, asteroids, and even Mars. When we get there, we won't just be bystanders to history. We will feel like active participants, standing side by side with the astronauts. We will be explorers together. So guys, um, yeah, this right here is what's got me excited for virtual reality. It's not the games. The games are cool, don't get me wrong, but the games aren't there yet for me. Uh, 
it's the other possibilities of virtual reality. Augmented reality is something completely different, but virtual reality is all about getting me connected with things that I could never possibly go and see myself, but I would like to experience. Um, now, the cool thing about this is there's really not a big price point to get in on it if you have the equipment. For $26 or more, you can get a three months of space VR content. So you get three months of the 360-degree footage straight from the International Space Station at our early adopter discount. Um, I really like that they have it so it will be able to play on any kind of VR headset. Exactly. Google has, um, have you heard of Google Cardboard? Google Cardboard, baby. You can make actually your own headset for your phone out of cardboard. Google has the plans for it. So for less than 10 bucks, you could have a working Google head headset and watch I plan on actually making that, and I might back it at this because it, it'd be interesting to go and look out and look down upon you're us. Just sitting, uh, sitting on your couch, and you're watching the world literally go by. Yeah, and it's real time, from what I understand. Yeah, the camera ray they're showing it looks pretty amazing with the stereoscopic cameras pointing in all these different directions. It's yeah, pretty, pretty it's, impressive uh, looking. It's really it's a cheap it's a cheap price point to get in on something that's going to be groundbreaking. And there's no doubt that this is going to be groundbreaking. This is first of its kind. They're asking for $500,000, which is a lot of money. It doesn't It's not cheap to get things into space. It's not cheap to get things into space, and that's what we need to remember. But they have 28 days to go as of this podcast, which is 8-11-2015. And they have 179 backers. They're at $13,601 as we are speaking. So they got a ways to go. So They've got a long ways to go, guys. Um, and one of their more... Let's just go over their most expensive package. Okay. $10,000. The Space Legacy and Launch a School Package. Now, this is where these types of, types of Kickstarters are really freaking cool to me. Not only are they trying to only launch their own product, but they're trying to help other people out throughout their own entire thing. This reward in, re, in, will ensure that you leave a lasting legacy for ages to come. In addition to sponsoring a school with a state-of-the-art Gear VR headset and Note 4, you also re receive all $750 rewards. Two tickets to join the Space VR founders and advisors at two major events. The final, one of them being the final overview one unveiling in San Francisco, and two, the rocket launch event. Invitation to sign the overview one before it launches. Your name will be on a piece of space history, and it will launch to the International Space Station. Five additional year-long membership to the Space VR to gift to the space enthusiasts of your choosing. But make sure that when you guys pledge at $10,000 or more, you guys also have to account for your own travel and accommodations to events which are not provided by them. So go ahead, guys. Get yourself in on this. This is an amazing project. Um, I'm Tim actually brought this to my attention, and I'm extremely excited that he did. Um, this is something that I'm really contemplating on backing um, because, like I said, I'm scared shitless of heights. I would never get on a space station. I would never get on a rocket. Do you think you would maybe get a little nauseous like watching space from your couch? Well, why would you mention that to me, Tim? I was I was going to back it. I mentioned. No, that. I think it's an experiment you need to make, and if you can't use your three months, I know someone who will. 
Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. I know somebody who will. Um, yeah, I uh, I never thought about that. I might get nauseous. I kind of got dizzy when we played the Oculus uh, a few months It'll ago. It'll be a so. slow, gentle movement, though. It won't be jerky. That's what you think. Well, I hope they're flying that International Space Station nice and slow. <laughs> hey, who gave him a beer? <laughs> hey, we're listening to Plug and Play Podcast. Woo-hoo. They said they're going to chase you treat. They're changing so, the orbits. They can hear us better. Exactly. All right, so that's my uh, kick for the week. I think it's a pretty awesome one. It is. It's an amazing one. Well, mine is called the Snot Bot. And I've got the one and only... Captain Picard, or Patrick Stewart, to uh, help explain it for us. Is this a bot that creates snot? I don't know. Listen and find out. I'm just collecting data. Ian, what the heck is that? What is going on? I'm just measuring your stress levels. Patrick Stewart blew his nose, ladies and gentlemen. And then the scientist takes it from him. All right, Ian, enough of this harassment. I need to know what is going on. I'm collecting your snot. Why do you need my (laughs) tissue with my snot on it? Come outside and I'll explain it to you. What's going on here? We're really looking for ways to collect biological data without harassing the animals. And here comes our drones we affectionately call Snotbot. Ocean Alliance has been at the forefront of marine mammal research for over 40 years. It was our founder, Dr. Roger Payne, who first discovered the whales sing songs, and today we're excited to introduce our latest contribution to the field of marine mammal science and innovation, Snotbot. Snotbots are custom-built small drones developed in partnership with Olin College of Engineering. They're designed to hover safely above a whale and collect samples of the blow expelled from their lungs in a way that won't harass or disturb the whale in any way. These blow samples, or snot, are a treasure trove of data. With them, we can sequence DNA, measure stress and pregnancy hormone levels, determine virus and bacterial loads, and run a host of other non-invasive experiments. Give us a clear picture of these animals as they are in the wild on their own terms. We believe that looking into the undisturbed lives of whales may give us a greater understanding of current threats than do existing research methodologies. And this picture is vital to our understanding not only of them and the oceans they inhabit, but ultimately the health of this blue planet we call home. Snotbot also allows us to gather this priceless data much more economically than ever before by removing the need for expensive research vessels and a big logistics operation. We can travel light and fast, gather our samples with less effort and at reduced risk to both whale and researcher. Snotbot has been built, tested and is ready to go. Our goal is to travel to three locations and sample three species with different lifestyles and habitats. To Patagonia for the highly endangered southern right whale. To the Sea of Cortez off Mexico to study sperm whales. And finally, to Alaska to study humpback whales. With these unique data sets, we can begin the process of understanding how our current knowledge stacks up to this new data collected through these state-of-the-art non-invasive techniques. All the while, 
tweaking and refining our platforms, making them more useful to anyone who wants to use drones to study and or conserve the natural world. Hello, I'm Patrick Stewart, and I'm asking you to support my good friend, Captain Ian Kerr and Ocean Alliance in their quest for better, more effective, more efficient, innovative research that will give us answers to some of the mysteries about the ocean and particularly whales. Two thousand fifteen, the year Captain Picard asks for your help to design a drone that will fly into a plume from a whale and collect snot. These are magical times we live in. Snot bot. I I don't even know where to go from this. It's just so awesome. The fact that there'd be little drones flying around collecting snot from whales. It, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you can back at all different levels for this Kickstarter. Um, you get stickers, hats, um, reports from the Snotbot um, excursions when they happen. Um, they are seeking uh, $225,000 for the project. They have 13 days to go, 963 backers, and they currently have $56,727. I am seriously considering spending $10 to get the Snotbot sticker because that would be awesome. Um, I would love to have... I, I still don't get where the fuck the snot comes out of this box. So, okay, they need all this information about whales, right? Their migratory patterns, what they've been eating. Um, yeah. So what they would do before is chase them in boats, diesel boats, and, like, harpoon them and, like, sedate them, basically, and, like, collect the data they need. That's, don't they drown? That's super invasive. This, they fly a drone over the blowhole of the whale and collect literally the snot flying up in the air from the plumes that you know when they breathe out and send the, uh-huh. and they get all sorts of data from that. They get like they said the hormones um, because they're basically blowing out small chunks of their. Lo- <laughs> I mean this is gross, but they're blowing out small chunks of their lung lining and their mucus and the the snot. But there's all sorts of awesome biological data, and they could collect that data with drones without disturbing the animals. So huh. so it's disgusting. But it's awesome. Robots collecting snot is actually a legitimate scientific endeavor. And I don't know. It's it's disgusting and, and weird, but strangely compelling to me. Robots, mm. robots solving problems you didn't even know we had. Yeah. I, could, I don't know about this. I, a snotty drone does not sound like a good drone to me. Oh, yeah. It's, this drone is not going to be the drone you bring home to mama, but it's it's doing good work. And, and it sounds like a good cause to me. Hey, 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 what? Hey, if he's on it, I'm hey, on. Hey, you got to get it behind the captain for sure. You got to get behind the captain. So I was thinking though, these two, both of these Kickstarters, have one thing in com- oh, two things in common. They're both about technology helping us understand the world we live in, and they both have three-minute videos that let us enjoy more of our tasty treats. <laughs> so I love both these Kickstarters. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, no, these are definitely amazing Kickstarters, and they're good causes. Yep. So, so that's our kick it for the weeks. Kick it, yeah, kick it. kick it. Which brings us to the news. Um, 
Well, or does it? Should I start off or should you start off? I'll start off with the first two. How about okay. that? All right. So Gamescom happened recently, and Phil Harris. Never heard of it. It's it's a giant thing. Uh, oh, like it might be like the world's largest convention. Pretty, I mean, I, I might have heard of this now that I'm thinking about it. So, uh, of course, Phil Harris from uh, Xbox was there, and he was interviewed from um, by Polygon, and it came out really his philosophy, and we've already kind of commented on this that. He's all about obliterating the lines between Windows and Xbox. Um, and I'm just going to start quoting him here a bit. Um, Phil Harris says, We had discussions before I took this role around where I wanted to take gaming and where Microsoft would want to take gaming. I think when we look back on Xbox five years or so from now, Windows itself will be a critical, critical component to the success I think we can realize of Xbox itself, and gaming will be a critical component of the success of Windows. I really believe that. When we say we... We want to put gaming in the center. That's different than putting a piece of plastic or a specific so- device at the center. Um, so Spencer describes his role in two parts. The transformation of Xbox One under his leadership and Microsoft's embrace of gaming on Windows. Um, Phil Spencer took over Xbox in 2014, about four months after that disastrous launch of Xbox One. Prior to his promotion, he was a 25-year veteran um, chief of the video game production arm, Microsoft Studios. And he says, with me, you're going to get a focus on gaming first and a best platform to play games on. It's not a focus we ever lost, but it's one I'll be accentuating at Microsoft. It's really going to be a gaming-led focus with Xbox, and my new role allows me to execute on that. So we've already noticed that they're doing things um, not traditionally done on consoles, like uh, early access or mods or um, allowing uh, peripherals like keyboards and mouse. And mm-hmm. so, and also, Windows 10, as you probably noticed, uh, Zach has the uh, Xbox app. Xbox app that I got to figure out how the hell to get all my accounts in one. Cortana, get on that. Cortana. But um, we're definitely seeing a merge here. Like, not worrying so much about if you're playing on your computer or if you're playing on your Xbox, but they just want you playing with Microsoft. And that makes sense as from a business standpoint. But mm-hmm. if. It seems like Phil Harris definitely has more of a vision to make that happen than whoever was in charge before him. Because I didn't know what the hell they were doing. No. But they're like, Xbox on. And I don't know, whatever. Xbox, record me. And connect and all of that disaster with the, yeah. You remember the Xbox One launch. But, oh, yeah. but they seem to have a better idea of what to do here. And um, I wish them luck. Uh, it, it can only be a good thing for gamers. Um for that kind of a merge to happen where more people can play together and not be broken up artificially through walls. Like, like you were playing with PSN gamers the other day. And I think that's great. Heck yeah. That was awesome, dude. That was like a, that was like a revolutionary moment. Like where like, I was like sitting there and I like, I randomly hit the button to check to see who I was playing against. And I saw all these icons, like, you know, steam, steam, uh, icons like avatars. Uh And also I saw an avatar that said P S Y N-E-T. What the fuck is P-S-Y-N-E-T? So I, I got in there and I typed in. said, what? Why? Are you guys like a team? I keep burning. I, I had ran across one player before and I noticed it. And I came across and it was one guy on my team, two guys on the other team. And uh, I said, you know, are, are you guys like a massive, like, are you guys like a Rocket League uh, professional team or something? Like, why are you guys' icons all the mm-hmm. same? And uh, you can do voice chat at certain times. Um, I think they just enabled voice chat throughout the whole entire game now. And one of them came on and said, no, that means we're PlayStation. That's cool. 
and I was, holy shit, that's cool. So I got back on it and I said, oh, this is cool. Uh, first time I've ever played with somebody on a console. And he responded back. He said, yeah, this is pretty revolutionary. And he said it right. It's revolutionary. We're playing with people on consoles where before consoles never spoke to each other. Nope. And consoles sure as hell never spoke to a PC. And uh, it was pretty cool. So I'm excited by this kind of direction for Xbox and Windows or whatever you want to call it, Microsoft, going forward. I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to see this. Yeah, me too. So, my next story is from NPR. Um, it is, will doctors soon be prescribing video games for mental health? Um, developers... I'm mentally ill. You just want an excuse to play games. Developers of a new video game for your brain Shh, says theirs that. is more than just another get, ri- another get smarter, quick, rich stream. So, there's been a lot of criticism recently about the brain training games um, that they aren't really... You tell me brain age actually isn't intelligent making, because I've been playing that shit forever, and I don't feel a damn bit smarter. Right. There's been studies that games like that just teach you to be better at that game, not not to make you smarter. I am pretty good at it. But there is a guy going in a different direction. Um, he His name is Gazali, and he is an, in a Northern California startup. He is um, taking a game through a full battery of clinical tests so he can get approval from the Food and Drug Administration, which will take several years. Um, he's got an idea that gaming will have a great potential to use... Um, to help out for certain psychiatric disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, autism, and Alzheimer's disease. He's hoping there will be a day um, when instead of a pill, a video game will be prescribed to treat a kid with ADHD. He says most of our drugs are pretty blunt instruments, um, whereas a game, if it works, could actually be used to target the affected brain networks more precisely. By monitoring the data, each patient playing the game, doctors or psychologists could tailor the treatment on an individual basis. So, it's an interesting application for gaming. Um, not so much just for making your brain smarter, but for dealing with um, specific disorders. I know for um, PTSD that they're... Um, one of the things they do is present um, a situation that might be stressful to someone with PTSD, but turn down the resolution and make it um, less realistic so that they can disassociate from it they know it's not real and then once they get through that okay kind of generally making it more realistic so they can kind of acclimate to it and then eventually they find out they're playing call of duty yeah and not and not okay. be freaked out by the gunfire and whatever i'm not sure huh. how it would help someone with adhd um i know that alzheimer's um well let's take it back for a second sure. when i was a younger kid and i don't know if this is true or not i'm pretty hyperactive mm-hmm. But I was also at that weird age where, like, teachers and psychologists and stuff would just, like, instantly label somebody with ADHD. They'd be like, oh, the kid's hyper. He's got ADHD. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know for me, gaming calmed me down. And now I never have claimed that I had ADHD. I was labeled with ADHD. There's definitely a lot of over-labeling for that. There's a ton of over-labeling for it. And I'm actually a big advocate for not labeling ADHD because I really don't feel like I was. Um, I think I just had a lot of energy. But if your kid was, was, very was labeled that, wouldn't you feel better about prescribing them a video game than a pill? Exactly. And I was on a lot of crazy tests and stuff like the test pills and stuff back in the day. But when I had my Game Boy in my hand, I knew I focused better. Mm-hmm. I could calm myself and I could focus on one thing and stay focused on that thing for a long periods of time. Well, as a parent, I could tell you for sure I would 
way more be willing to try a video game for my child than some kind of mind-altering chemical. Exactly. So, I think you got the next two stories. Okay, so, before I start this next story, I want to play the opening ceremonies for us, just to get us in the mood, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the International Dota 2 Championships. Valve, this really is the highlight of our year, just like you, we look forward to this. Uh, Back in February, a bunch of us went down to the Super Bowl to watch the Seahawks throw. Dick. And arguably, you know, Super Bowl is one of the biggest sporting events in the world. So you've got all these parties, all this drinking, all these events. What were we doing? We were back at the hotel clustered around EJ's laptop, watching the DAC group stage. So I don't know about you, I didn't come here to listen to me talk. I came here to watch some Dota. So let's get this going. Thank you very much for coming. Now just to set this up, guys, this all, this all, this music right now Five is a live. Ago, a tradition began that has changed the face of competitive gaming. All the voice acting. International, a tournament summoning the finest Dota teams from across the globe. Since its creation, much has changed. The crowds have grown from modest gatherings. To a roaring sea of fans. I love the roar of the cloud crowds. Have expanded from a humble selection of heroes. All of the music is live. That's All the cool. voice acting is live. That's cool. And with the help of the Dota community, each year the stakes have risen. Again and again, becoming the largest prize pool in esports history. Once more. The time has come. From across the world, they have gathered. They have prepared. 
They are the best of the best. Some are veterans, warriors and victors of tournaments past. And others, ambitious newcomers, ready to prove themselves against revered champions. The eyes of the world now turn to Key Arena, eager to witness history firsthand. To watch the war unfold. Who will emerge victorious? The battle. Alright, guys. Now, if you guys listen to me since the Legend of Podcast and a little bit before that, you all know that I played Dota 2. Dota 2 is a mobile game, a uh, multi-online battle arena game. Uh, this year is the fifth year of the international, guys. And this means that there have been some veterans, like they were just mentioning, coming back and battling it out for five years. One of them is a hometown hero to Tim and I. Out of, I think it is, Medford, Oregon, nice. is Fear. That is his gamer name. Fear. Fear. Now he is considered an old man, a crotchety old man, and a withered old man. He is uh, at the age of 27 years old. Oh my god, he's so old. Now in the ages of Dota, this comes to play. How fast can you click, old man? 16 years old is the youngest Dota player ever. By the age of 24, you are considered old and out of your prime. So, this year at the Dota International, guys, was a grand pot for $6.6 million for the winning team. A $18 million grand prize total. Not only did uh, Evil Geniuses make it to uh, the final round, which had some... um, was mainly made up of U.S. residents. I'm not going to say Americans because some of them are not from America, but residents. The other team, a Chinese team, CDEC, generally considered to be an underdog, three and one in the best of five game finals late Saturday night, capping off a week of nonstop Dota 2. The prize pool for this year's international voted by Valve, again, was the $18 million um, all five players who competed for Evil Genius, Fear, PPD, Awu, Sumail, and Universe are now millionaires. Sumail's story is particularly fascinating because not only is he only 16 years old and the youngest Dota International champion of all time, he is also a Pakistani male who says he, when he was growing up, he sold his own bicycle so he could play more Dota and head to the PC Cafe in this Pakistani town. He now currently resides in the United States of America. And just if you're wondering, this clip's a little bit long, ranging in about eight minutes long. But I think it is the perfect way to end this segment. And this is what winning $6.6 million sounds Can you like. Imagine? Being a slightly cheaper item. Here we go again. Five-man smirk by CDEC. 
Now look for the opening on EG. Now some males on the perfect position for this. He is going to see an Invisorator potentially going to jump down and grab it. And now they can curse him up. Look at Spear though. It triggers. That wasn't the curse from Q, however. But the PL just runs himself down to EG, taking out a lot of fierce metal. Now remember, Aggressive does have the full heart for this fight. Last Wrecker Ray is going to force it out. Universe! Big jumper to get the curse off. There's a control from Universe and Samael. And the hook shot in as well from XC. He's going to split the fight up a fear, finding the damage. Samael, Aggressive being put under in the cold embrace. We back up in a moment. Doppelganger, one second, but Song of the Siren. They need Aggressive to die instantly before he's able to Doppelganger. Shiki as well. There's your Doppelganger. Shiki has one chance to survive. A little bit longer with splitting up the fight, but there goes your PL. Dragonite, the cold feet and the urn charge. They're both taking him out, and the cops will push back. He's got enough life to survive. They actually repair it with another urn charge. And AUI, yeah, he's not going to keep up with the dragon. There's top work. Oh, the casualty of TP. Vortexing XE back in. A three for one trade off. Dragon Knight lucky to survive, and he can't even get back. His TP's on cooldown. There's 32 seconds before the DK can TP back to base. He could lose his entire racks in that time. Yeah, he tried to TP out earlier. This should actually be a link. I don't know if EG are aware of this, so they might start moving back if they feel any bit of pressure, but Fear doesn't care right now. He is definitely up front. Now, the to male going in deep. Chasing after Q, they just need a couple of kills to be TI5 champions with the Wyvern. He down for the can. Fear, fully wicked sick. They're gonna bring in the Zatanic as well for Fear while this push continues. As the tier 3 tower drops DK, only now is he TPing back and he's still gonna regenerate. The melee racks will drop. EG, how much respect do you give? The PL is up in seven seconds. They're going to rotate themselves over to the tier three tower. They do not want to overstay their welcome here, but they may just have the confidence to keep on going with that fresh satanic. Shiki dragon form up, gets us on over on fear. They're moving forward with a hook shot. Oh, it's blast! Perfect on Cedar! They keep the battle going. Somehow might be low on mana. They need to keep controlling fear CDC if they want to try and win this game. But fear finds more. He's actually being trapped up the curse, holding him here for now. DK will bite back and they're dragging back the clockwork with a vision starter. CDC are running out of heroes. Aggressive wants to come out and find some kind of collateral kills. But EG are turning tail and running for now. Universe is ready to turn. He's got Echo Slam up. He just sees his bleed. They're going to come back. A call down aggressive. The call down. The perfect position. There's your Echo Slam. Aggressive. Locked in position right now. He got embraced up by the window. Wyvern, but fear moving forward as well. The DK about to drop. Aggressive and Soul Survivor. CDEC. It looks troublesome. It looks really, really bad for them. Aggressive on the run. Universe right behind him. They keep running out for GG. Well played.
champions of the international Evil Geniuses. Just super pumped right now. That's about it. <laughs> PPD, what about you? I just can't believe we did it. It's it's real. I'm gonna get down here too. How are you feeling? Get a hold of this thing. What? Are they gonna let you hold it or what? I guess I'm holding it. Like. So how strong you've been able to be all week? Uh, we just kept a positive attitude and we just kept grinding and we took the, the lows with the highs and I, I don't know, we just, we just kept with it. Samail, I know this has been a great experience for you too. What does this mean to you and what does it mean to bring this victory home to your family? I mean, it just meant everything for me, so we got it now. Feeling pretty excited. And yes, we get to get some money from our family. who have been with you this whole time. Bleed blue. One more time, let's give a big round of applause to all 16 teams who have participated in TI5. It has been an amazing year. We also want to thank all of the fans, to all of you who are here in Key Arena today, to all of you who are watching at home, who have been following along on the stream. Thank you so much. Pretty epic. 6.6 fucking million dollars. <laughs> like, Holy shit. To the winning team. Six players. Yeah, six players on a oh, team, okay, guys. Sorry. Well, it's five players plus gotcha. a coach. So there's six technical. Plus, you got to also account that the team pays them a yearly salary. What would you do with a million dollars when you were 16? Buy a porn star. Buy some Zelda yeah, stuff. Right. I'd be like, fuck Dota. I'm buying some Zelda stuff, guys. I got this. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, a million dollars, dude. I have no idea. Invest it, maybe? I was kind of a smart kid back then. Alcohol? I, It'd be great if you had I the, don't know. the um, discipline to invest it. That would set you up for life. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's definitely a turn of events um, in the esports industry, guys. This is the granddaddy of them all currently. Um, I know that League of Legends and, you know, the uh, ESL, um, you know, they put on great league tournaments. They put on world championships all the time. They do amazing things. And, yes, technically maybe they're more of a structured sports environment. Um, than the Dota International, but nobody can top the money that the Dota International puts out every year. Since its creation, it has doubled, if not tripled, quadrupled, 
or even tenfold its interest every year. Last year, I believe, was a quarter of what this year's grand total prize was. I think each person walked away with a couple hundred thousand dollars. The first, the last final team, five final teams last year walked away with basically nothing. I think the five, the fifth, the fourth, and the third, I think the third team walked away with a couple hundred dollars. This year, starting at the fifth team, they walked away with a uh, million dollars per team uh, and jumping up from there. So it's just insane. Uh, even the losing team, CDEC, walked away with $2.8 million in their pocket, um, and that's for losing. <laughs> I, I would love to lose with that so, kind of tune. Exactly. So that's all I got for the Dota International, guys. Um, if you guys want for more information, I believe Dota2.watch is a site that you can go to. Don't quote me on that. But you guys can also find it up on all major um, places that host Dota information. Um, the final story I got for you guys kind of sucks. Um, the reason this kind of sucks is because it's not that this company has been good or that we've heard amazing things and that, are, that we're let down by it at all. But... The way that things have happened to cause these events, or just that now they're out in the open, I guess is technically what it is, is that it's just revolutionary in the industry um, about how shitty work environments can be. Um, and I'm talking about Konami. Now, the whole Konami thing, Konami's never been known as this great employer that people love to work for, and they've been this amazing corporation. No, Konami's always had kind of a mythical veil, if you will say, uh, to how they run things, and it's been very tight-lipped. They don't really release anything about good about themselves, and they don't release anything bad. But with Kojima gone, things have started to leak, um... And I'm just going to go off the list, and we're just going to kind of talk right. about it, Tim. Um, so the culture of the company shifted from traditional hardcore gamers games to cheaper. Social titles in 2010, when Konami shipped a mobile game called Dragon Collection, which earned huge profit at a low budget. So this is where we see a name that's been around for since I was a kid turning around and turning its back on its main titles, Castlevania... Oops. And Metal Gear Solid. Right. And just and going for the mobile application. Cheap and easy money. Cheap and easy money. This is the first sign of a company that's not in it for its fans, but in it for its profits. Metal Gear Solid 5, the fan of pain development budget has surpassed ten million dollars. Ten billion yen, eighty million dollars, sorry. Um, which is ridiculous. Kojima Productions is now known as Number 8 Production Department. It ha its computers have no internet access and can only send messages between internal computers. What do you think? Uh, that's weird. That's just weird. Like, why wouldn't you have internet? How, I, I think how they, do they, you... they don't give them internet, so they're worried they'd get LinkedIn profiles and try to get different jobs. I mean, ha but if you don't have internet access, how do you do your I, job? I don't know. Do you have encyclopedias? <laughs> Maybe. Because some of their games take place in historical places and times and have historical Well, they, they used to. Reference? They used to. They have used you seen to. what they've done to Castlevania? No, I haven't. 
I don't want to no, see. No, you don't. Employees that leave the office during lunch break are mentor, monitored with time cards. Those who return late, even a minute late, have their name announced throughout the company. A company-wide, building-wide monitoring system that will vocally tell every single person and publicly shame them for being late by even a minute. That's bullshit. There are cameras in the offices, office corridors to monitor the movement of Konami employees. Most Konami... Konami employees don't have their permanent company email addresses. Staff who deal with people outside the company, such as public relations, do, however. Everyone else's email is routinely randomized and changed every few months. And I've heard that the press relations are even randomized beyond that. Longer than a month, but every couple. That's lame. So you don't know who you're dealing with. That's awesome. Konami Konami also has its hands in multiple markets inside Japan, including health and fitness and Plinko machines. Any Konami developer who are not seen as a useful are seen as useful are reassigned to duties such as security guards, cleaning staff at the fitness club, and roles at Pachi slot machine factories. This includes producers who worked on big titles in 2013, Japanese newspaper. A Shah newspaper reported that former Konami employee, a former Konami employee who allegedly went from development to working in a Konami panchi slot factory, which led him into severe depression. So not only Japan, you got to keep in mind, is kind of still a white collar, blue collar country, where if you're a white collar, you're above, you're superior to the blue collars. Now, imagine you're going from a high white collar. You're working on Castlevania. You're working on Metal Gear Solid. You're one of the top producers, developers, uh, designers, coders, anything on this game. You are deemed unuseful because the game did not sell well, because you did not return from lunch on time by a minute, because you sneezed on accident. And you're moved to a Pachi slot factory machine. Um, or Pachi slot machine factory. That's got to be depressing. Not only did you spend all these years in an industry building your reputation, getting on these big name titles to build up your portfolio to be kicked to the curb for a nickel machine. Yeah. That you're considered lower than that's, scum on the Japanese market. Lame. Imagine now that you were kicked to a slot factory and let's just say a competitor offered you a job and that you were leaving Konami. Konami monitors Facebooks of all or all social medias of all their employees. Now say you have lifelong friends. You've been building your career at, your career at Konami. You've been there for 20 years, let's say. You get a new job because you get kicked to cleaning shitters at a local facility. Let's put it in that retrospect. You were cleaning shitters at one of their health facilities where the president of Konami goes and works out. You get a new job. Let's just say Bandai Namco. That's not the name of the company that was referenced, but let's just say it was that because that's another competitor of theirs. You mentioned on social media, I am so excited to jump back into the developer role reclaim my title, get the prestige and the honor that I deserve after all of my years of hard effort, 
your old co-workers, former, empl- uh, you know, uh, co-workers, like it on social media. Every single one of them is reassigned to janitorial work, potty slot machine work. They it are removed, like, it sounds no like matter old, who they like are. Soviet Russia. It, it's ridiculous. Nikko has re- or Nikai has reported reportedly reached out to Konami founder Kagamasu Kazuki for comment, but never heard back. He is apparently known to avoid others, both among media and his corporate peers. He and others at company like Nintendo and Sega allegedly used to help each other out, but has apparently since become very distant. Now, the source I'm getting this from is Jimatsu.com. But Jimatsu is not the only one reporting on this, just so you guys know. There are tons of people out there um, that are rivaling this. this. From the likes of IGN. This makes me want to never to buy a Konami game again. This makes me want Konami to fail. It, it's ridiculous. This type of, you know, and then people write articles about how this is unfair. And a lot of journalists like ourselves, Tim, are getting responses like, this is the corporate world that we live in. This is standards. And I think that that's a vast overstatement this is not the standard for working environment in any corporation i don't care if you are a fruits if you're a waiter i don't care if you're a store clerk i don't care if you're a warehouse person i don't care where you are this type of crap is not accepted it's not acceptable workplace uh if i ever get metal gear solid 5 i'm now buying it used just so konami doesn't get my money I mean, exactly. I mean, what? this just sheds a bad light, bad taste on the company overall. And honestly, my personal belief is this is happening so Konami can get out of major game development and focus on mobile game development and all of their other things. Yep. That's my personal belief. Well, their quality of worker is going to go drastically down, so that's all they're going to be able to do. I mean, who would want to stay and work for them? So... That's what I got for this week's yep. news. Uh, extreme excitement to extreme disgust. Yes. So, Agony and ecstasy. Um, exactly. So, guys, that's the end of this podcast. But as always, we leave you guys with a question. This week's question is, if you were to win a eSports tournament ranging at $6 million, your takeaway was $1.5 million, so if you were to win a esports tournament and walk away with tax-free $1.5 million, which I forgot to mention this in the Dota thing, every single dollar that was given out, the taxes were paid out of Valve's That's pocket. Crazy. Every single player got exactly the amount that they were allotted tax-free. Awesome. All right. Question of the week, guys. If you were to walk away from an esports tournament with $1.5 million, what would you do? What would you do, Tim? First thing I'd do is get a hand massage because after all that clicking, I'll bet my fingers are sore. <laughs> um, so Tim's down to $1 million well, that's now. That's an expensive hand massage. Um, I, I would. Oh, you actually meant a real yeah, hand massage? Okay. A massage to my hands. Um, oh, so okay. I think ma- massage from somebody else's hands. I'm sorry. No, no, my hands. You know, they'd be sore. I, I think I'd go on a okay. world trip like uh, Blind Shot Diver. 
Like yeah, line shot? I think I'd finance that. I would love to say I'd invest it, um, but I don't know if that's the reality. Um, I'd buy a, probably buy a nice car. Pay off. What type of car, Tim? You know, I really want a Tesla. I, I would love a car that runs on electricity and goes really fast and looks awesome. Um, I'd pay pay for a house outright. I would I would hope I would invest half of it, but you know it's hard to say until you have that kind of money in your hand. It what is. What would you do? Um, <clears throat> I personally would. I'd probably pay off my mm-hmm. house, sell this house, buy a nicer house, not a not a much nicer house, probably a house of your stature. Um, so just a little bit bigger. Um, I'd buy myself a Lamborghini. Oh wow. Um, it's not that much more expensive than your uh, Tesla, there, buddy. More. Mm, roughly, um, so that's still a hundred thousand. The rest of it would go to uh, investment, probably. Cool. Uh, I would uh, actually take that back. Knowing myself, honest, true opinion here, guys. I would go back and finish my Zelda collection with every <laughs> single single Zelda item made. Um, Sir- which I got most of them, so it'd probably be maybe another twenty thousand dollars. So it's not that much out of a hundred one point five million. EBay. The rest Zelda, of it buy, would buy, go to buy, investment. Buy, buy, buy. Yeah, buy it exactly. Now. Buy it now. In a box, in a box, in a box, in a box. Um, and then the rest of it would just go to uh, investing in my future. So cool. Yeah. So what? To remind you guys what of the crazy question, thing, would you do with a one and a half million dollars if you won the Dota Two tournament? What would you do with $1.5 million if you were to win an esports tournament? Until next time, guys, on episode 55 of the Plug and Play podcast, this has been episode 54. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out at facebook.com forward slash plug and play show. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, check us out on Twitter at plug underscore and underscore play underscore. Uh, don't forget to check us out at thebuttonsmashers.com. Tim's covering PlayStation content over there. I got, uh, the first impressions of Rocket League up. I got, uh, two of them coming. I was writing one about what is an MMO in Elder Scrolls Online. It is now what is an MMO and a follow-up article to why ESO is not an MMO. Um, and those are going to be coming here in the coming weeks. So keep checking back for those. You guys can also check out Q, who's normally mentioned over here. He's writing all about anime, games, and cool, funky stuff. You can also check out Q on the Bun Smashers podcast. Figure out why he wants to go to Sweden, guys. Um, that's the Bun Smashers podcast. You can also check out the Snowcast, which is Kiki and Christy. Um, they post occasionally. You can also check out Q and Kiki on Hopelessly Animatic, which is a girly <laughs> anime podcast. Um which, by the way, I talked to Hugh last night, and his demographic is female. He's been gathering that, so I can say it is a girly anime podcast, and he cannot get upset. Uh, and, as always, Jess is over at TheBunSmashers.com, the Gaming Goddess podcast. Now, she's got some pretty cool stuff, guys. New people on every week, talking about games, talking about personal stuff. It's pretty sweet. Uh, hers is a uh, video, but you can also check her out on iTunes as well. You guys can check us out on iTunes, like us, and rate us so you don't get a bloody popsicle, guys. And over at Stitcher. So, until next time, on episode 55, don't forget to prime and shine.